back, Ram fans. This is Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. We are proud members of the Fans First Sports Network. That's fansfirstsports.com. You can also follow us on YouTube. Our channel is at L.A. Rams Up. I'm your host, Mark. You'll hear from my co-host, Tom, on occasion as well. Hey, we're not Rams insiders. We're just longtime fans who love talking about our Los Angeles Rams. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. We have another crossover segment here for you today. Tom Quartz syncing up with John Sushan of the Johnny Cleveland podcast to talk Rams, Browns, football. A couple of quick notes before we get to that. The Rams currently have a 36% chance of making the playoffs. If they beat the Browns, according to analytics, they will have a 45% chance. Joe Flacco taking QB1 snaps for the Browns. He will apparently be leading the Browns against the Rams. Injury report, Quinton Lake likely out on Sunday and Michael Hoyt not practicing. But compared to what the Browns were up against, man, they got a bunch of guys banged up. We'll get more into that in the next couple of days. Hey, it's episode 307, so we're talking about a Ram who wore number seven, and that's right up after Tom and John's crossover, so stick around for that at the end. Let's get to that crossover. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Rams Up podcast. I'm your host, Tom Quartz, at Ramsbeat on Twitter, and today we're doing a crossover in anticipation of the Cleveland Browns game this weekend. And I am joined by John Suchan of the Johnny Cleveland podcast, which is part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network uh, and also part of the FFSN family of podcasts. How are you doing, John? Good. Thanks for having me, Tom. Yeah, great, great to great to have you on and uh, look forward to diving into the uh, to the matchup this weekend. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a, a, a good battle. Yeah, so if we just kind of take a look for each of our audiences at, you know, our season so far, um, I mean, I'll start with the Rams. I mean, obviously 2021 Super Bowl, you know, after 20 years of a drought, um, then the 2022, trying to run it back, complete disaster, five-win season, just tons of injuries, just a a complete disaster, Um, almost lost our uh, head coach and you know, Donald and I mean, we threatened to retire. It was a, it was a, a terrible situation. So, and so coming into this situation, we were basically in, you know, rebuild mode, right? Our offense returned mostly intact, staff cup and crew. Um, but on defense, it was almost a total teardown. Bobby Wagner, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Floyd, entire starting secondary, entire D line, except for Aaron Donald, all gone. And it, not only that, in doing so, got nothing back in return and taking 75 million in dead cap. So basically cleaning house and paying for it at the same time. And so the plan was to, hey, let's let's clear out all these salaries and uh, take the hit cap hit this year and then let a bunch of young guys play. We had 14 draft picks. Uh, all 14 made the roster. I think the only other team to do that was the Cleveland Browns. I think it was that 16th season, um, similar situation. Um, and, uh, you know, and then clear the cap, make a run in 2024, which, you know, get our 60 million in cap space. And, you know, and what's probably going to be uh, Aaron Donald and, and Matthew Stafford's last season. I, I really see both of those guys retiring after next year. So, you know, two strong guys and, and um, let's make one more run at it. And so we started the season strong with a solid win at Seattle, very unexpected. Um, and then uh, had another couple nice wins in Indy and Arizona. Uh, played really well against, you know, essentially some really strong teams in the 49ers, Bengals, Eagles, Steelers. Um, wheels fell off against Dallas. Also had another bad loss against Green Bay without Stafford. And then put together a couple of wins against Seattle and Arizona here. So, so uh, yeah, five and six and in the terrible NFC still in playoff contention. So that's kind of where we're at. This Cleveland game is a really big game for the Rams. If, if the Rams can win this game uh, – and then there, you know, there's a three or three more very winnable games for us, with probably some tough games against the Ravens and the and the 49ers. But this game is really a very it's a turning point game for the Rams in terms of whether or not they're going to make a playoff run 
or just kind of settle back in and just say, okay, this isn't the year. So big game from that perspective. How about you, John? Give me a summary of your expectations coming into the season and how things have gone so far. I think the Browns fans, the expectations have you know centered around uh, the universe of, uh, of Deshaun Watson. Um, they, uh, we've had a roller coaster uh, since the beginning, before and during the season. Um, expectations were quite high coming into the year. Uh, the Browns now sit at seven and four after losing last week to the Denver Broncos, which on paper, um, you know, if you looked a month ago, we were it looked like a, an easy win going up against a Denver team that was one in five coming into the game but they had rolled off four straight wins prior to that. So they were sitting at five and five. We had to go out to Denver. That's always a, a, a not a good spot for the Browns fans to go out or Browns teams to play out in Denver. Um, yeah, we've, it's been a really uh, up and down year. And uh, right now we're Deshaun Watson is out. Uh, we have, uh, we rolled with this DTR, a rookie quarterback, Dorian Thompson Robinson, who you might be familiar with out there in UCLA. Absolutely, and, uh, UCLA alum. That's right. So, yeah, got, yeah, I love, he, I love you. We, I really wanted DTR, and we, we ended up taking Stetson Bennett, who just, you know, I mean, I, I, I'd love to, to trash him, but he, you know, he, he, you know, he has some personal problems, so you got to go a little, tread a little lightly. But so yeah. Brown, yeah, we're, I mean, DTR. I think you know he got bashed uh, late, late hit last week, kind of a cheap hit by the Denver Bronco, um, and he was in concussion protocol this week. So I'm not sure his status tonight. I know it's Wednesday. We'll probably learn more tomorrow or Friday uh, as far as if DTR is going to be playing. The Browns did, uh, did bring in uh, that great old veteran, 38 year old Joe Flacco. Um, a lot of people are campaigning for him to be the starter on Sunday. Now the Browns had PJ Walker playing several games and actually PJ Walker, the other veteran has been in the league five or six years, did get a couple wins early on in the year for the Brownies help beat the San Francisco 49ers, for example. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, the Browns, it was a not an unexpected loss last week, but it was one of those games playing the Broncos that the Browns and Browns fans thought they were going to get the win. Now they go out to Los Angeles to play your Rams, and the Rams are coming off a pretty hot win over the Cardinals. It's always good to play the Cardinals. Uh, you know, <laughs> so, yeah, Brown, yeah. Brown, get Brown, things Brown, right really quick. Yeah, Browns took care of the Cardinals before um, Kyler Murray showed showed back up. But uh, with, even with that, you know, looking at the Rams season and what you've already mentioned, a couple games that were uh, challenging. Um, now they're sitting at five and six. They're looking to get rolling into the playoff. They're already in the playoff picture. The Browns are sitting at seven and four in a very competitive AFC North and just AFC and. Uh, if they take this is a big game for the Brownies traveling again out west. Browns have not won out in California. I think it's been 30 years, 1993, if I'm if wow. I'm correct. Uh, I think they're one in five over their last six games against Rams teams, including St. Louis Rams. Um, so it, they've had a challenge playing you guys. Even the last time was back in I want to say 2019. The Rams came and played in Cal in, in Cleveland on a Sunday night game that. Uh, the Rams won uh, with your former quarterback, Jared Goff, um, who held on to win that game. Baker Mayfield, who you uh, had for a brief moment in time yeah, out there last year, he um, had an opportunity to win in that game and blew it against your Rams a few years back. But yeah, looking forward to a, a really, really good game. I think both teams are going to, it's, it, it, there's a lot of um, things riding on, on this game, I believe. Yeah, yeah, for both teams for sure, and and you guys are seven and four, and you know still try, hunt, trying to hunt down a playoff spot. We're five mm -hmm. and six, and still trying to hunt down a playoff spot. Just the tale of two uh, conferences. Absolutely. Sure. So, yes. Yeah. I mean, if we just dive in, let's dive into the Rams' offense against the the uh, Browns' defense here a little yes. bit. I mean, so the Rams' offense. I mean, uh, you know, Cup uh, started off the season on the injured list, come back. Puka Nakua really took, stepped in and took his spot um, right. and just did great. Um, since they've been back, they really haven't been able to get back in on the scene, you know, uh, having had big games um, out of both of them at the same time. So that's really what 
Rams fans are sort of waiting for. Cups has a little bit of an injury with a, a banged up ankle that's kind of bothering him. And so, you know, Cam Akers was our starting running back. You know, he's shipped out. Uh, and um, Kyron Williams, our backup fourth round pick from uh, from Notre Dame, steps in. is just doing a bang up job. Uh, like you said, you know, it's <laughs> he's the uh, NFC player of the week uh, against the, but it's against the uh, Cardinals, right? You can always get right against the Cardinals. <laughs> um, Royce Freeman's doing a good job, a veteran as a backup running back. And um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Stafford's back and healthy. We got a, a you know, a rebuilt O line. And, you know, we're kind of middle of the road in, in all of the offensive categories. You know, nothing, nothing terrible. I'm mean, our run game and our pass game is sort of, mm-hmm. you know, in that. 13 to 15 range. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, we're just haven't put up a lot of points though. Our red zone production has been not so good and uh, a lot of field goals and so forth, you know how that is. And, and it's just, uh, so yeah, it's a little tough. We got, we got, you guys got flack and we got Carson Wentz. So, um, you know, there Carson, you go. You picked up Carson Wentz. When did, yeah, when did he, you do he, that? He's our backup. He, he, he two weeks ago. Really? The, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he, <laughs> uh, he actually took some, uh, so three snaps last game, just handed the ball off three times in, in mop up. But um, oh my gosh, yeah, Brett Rippin went in uh, and played, tried to play in uh, the old Denver quarterback when it was our backup, and yes. he tried to play against uh, the Packers when uh, when uh, Stafford had gotten hurt in that Dallas game. And, and so, is Stanford's is his shoulder? Um, isn't he have some issues? Yeah, he did. He did. He had shoulder, and he had. You know, some hand issues. He he's had a bunch of different things. He had a chest, you know, a, a, I don't know what they call it, but we're somewhere in the chest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, he's just old, getting banged up, right? But when he's yeah. healthy and we can protect yeah. him, you know, he's he's as good as there is in slinging the ball Absolutely. around the field and yes. making plays. So uh, that's what we're hoping for. But yeah, re- always, uh, yeah. Re- yeah, rebuild O line. And uh, he's always yeah, done well. He's done well historically against the Browns, even when he was in, in Detroit. It always seemed that, that the Lions always had some success against the Browns. Uh, I can remember a couple games. I don't know when it was exactly, but there was a, a moment in time when Stanford was still playing with the Lions. It was a her- heroic comeback, and he was like injured horribly, but he somehow managed to <laughs> come back against the <laughs> prevent Browns defense where they were the, the old prevent think, defense. Remember yeah. that? They don't, I don't, teams don't do that as much anymore. I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> funny you mentioned that. I, well, they, they, I mean, they, I think they're in prevent defense all the time now with this too high shell that everybody's playing, but right, uh, <laughs> right. So it, it, yeah. there is no, there's no two minute prevent anymore. Well, I think our defense against you guys with the offense, if that's, uh, you want you want to look at next is you know Miles Garrett is you know the heart and soul kind of the right. name name player of the Browns and he had something pop in his shoulder. Uh, he reported that after the game, but a, according to Coach Kevin Stefanski of the Browns, uh, he'll be ready to go. Um, we'll see. It it he did get sidelined a few times in that Denver game and did not look himself. So we'll have to really monitor that coming into this game, uh, the Browns are beat up. I mean, that's really on both sides of the ball. They have uh, several other injuries. Uh, Anthony Walker, also linebacker for the Browns, has been up and back and forth with with injuries. Denzel uh, Ward, uh, Browns star quarterback, former Ohio State Buckeye, he has been sidelined also with some various injuries. He's had a history of injuries, so um, it's it would be helpful to get him back out there. Brown secondary, you know, has been given props, but also not looked real solid. Uh, Greg Newsom has a few nice moments, but he's also uh, another cornerback that's um, missed missed a few opportunities. So, you know, the Browns gave up 14 points quickly to the Denver last week, and the, and this season has been one of those years where the Browns defense has been given some props for doing some really great things and people, you know, nationally are talking about them and locally we're talking about how, how good they've been, but they've had too many games where they've given up quick scores and in Denver, again, they let Denver march down the field twice early on in that game and put, put the team in a 14, nothing hole. So that has me concerned going into this game again, because you got a, a veteran like Matthew Stafford, who has a good history against it, you know, against the Cleveland team. So, uh, 
We'll see how yeah, it I all mean, pans out. Injuries yeah, to, injuries to key players. I mean, you know, Ward and you know Garrett and, and so forth. It's it's going to be tough. Uh, yeah, it's going to be. It's, it really does take. I mean, if we were to you know lose a guy like Aaron Donald or something, right? Everything changes. Yes. you know, a guy that gets. Yeah. You know, because it's not just one guy who's not effective. It's yeah. it's well, the, the the pressure they put on the offensive yeah. lines. I mean, get Donald had in that Arizona game where it was a complete, you know, mopped him up. He had zero pressures and zero tackles, mm. and it's because he was being triple teamed the whole game. Right now, because the whole, uh, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Kobe Turner, you know, or a rookie, and and Michael Hoyt, our edge, you know, just yeah. you know, the uh, these guys are are getting off right. And right. So, uh, and Byron Young and whatnot. So, yeah, it's interesting. So well, just, that's yeah. the same thing with the Browns on the on the defensive side. Exactly what you're just saying too is that I think Miles actually he's got 13 sacks in the season, and we're not you know still got five or six games to go. But he's really had a great season, and he's having a lot of fun. If you're here in Cleveland, you you hear kind of a different personality of of Miles, and you know he's been in the, with the Browns for seven years, but he's really enjoying the game this year. Uh, because he's got other players like Delvin Tomlinson, like Shelby Harris, um, like Zadarius Smith on the other end that are really good players, and they're making his job a little less intense. He is still getting double teamed and whatnot, but these other guys um, are, are coming up and, and doing a lot of things. The linebacking crew, uh, Jer- Jeremiah Wusakoromoa, JOK we call him here from Notre Dame, um, he's having a hell of a season. Uh because our line is doing so much better. Um, so, but again, those are, are nice things individually, but we'll see how it pans out in this game. I, I I'm a little nervous coming into this one again, because our defense is a little banged up. Yeah. Oh yeah. It makes sense. So why don't you lead off and, and give us a uh, kind of a rundown of where you guys are at on offense. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, that's a, a whole nother story, right? I mean, Again, yeah, more, absolutely. More, more injuries, right? We're still waiting to hear again who and uh, who's going to be starting on Sunday. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing for your. Uh, obviously, the Rams have to prepare for somebody. Uh, right now, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson DTR uh, got hit. He was in a concussion protocol. I, it's Wednesday today here, so I'm not quite sure. I haven't seen any updates today. Um, but his backup, well, PJ Walker and him have been kind of exchanging while Deshaun Watson is out. Uh, Deshaun is out for the season now because he had surgery on his shoulder. Uh, So they brought in Joe Flacco. There's been a lot, some debate here, even amongst my colleagues here at the Fanatical Elves Network about uh, the Browns not having a a better backup backup plan for quarterbacks. But they have Joe Flacco. I'm going to, I'll say that they're going to go with Joe Flacco, which is just so bizarre because you yeah, know, all those the last time he threw years, a pass. I mean, was the last I know. Well, it, it hasn't been that long. I mean, he he played for the Jets last year, and actually, what I remember because I was at that game, the Browns lost in in horrible fashion. Second game of the week last season, and they were up two touchdowns, and Joe Flacco helped lead the, them back, uh, and the Jets upset the Browns in an early upset. Um, so Joe Flacco has been around. He's thirty eight. He's he is a Super Bowl champ. We went against him twice every year as a Browns fan. So, you know, a lot of us uh, have bad memories of Joe because he did relatively well when he get, went up against the Browns. Um, Amari Cooper, the Browns' uh, number one wide receiver, has been um, having a really good season. But last couple of games, because of the quarterback changing stuff, his numbers are a little bit down. He got hit late again by a, kind of a cheap shot by the Denver Bronco defense, which historically they're always good at uh, with the, with the cheap shots. Um, he got hit in the ribs. Not sure if he's going to be out there. I'm going to say that we might be out of uh, Mari Cooper without him. Wow. Uh, Browns Browns um, run game. Obviously, the early news on the season was that Nick Chubb, you know, is sidelined because of the horrible injury. That really, I'm telling you, that really took a lot out of the fan base, the the organization. I mean, to kind of re reconfigure what we're going to do because I mean, Nick Chubb has been the heart and soul of the Browns. So they've gone with Jerome Ford the kid from uh, Cincinnati and um, has done a, a, a respectable job. Uh, once he figured out where, where to find the hole in, in the defenses, um, they brought back cream hunt, the veteran um, who's really stepped in and, and been kind of a good 
uh, cheerleader and uh, kind of a booster for that Browns offense. Browns offense gets criticized a lot for not being, I don't know, better than they are. But, you know, up until, I mean, Kevin Stefanski, the Browns coach who calls the offensive plays, um, has been criticized and mostly criticized, somewhat praised for play calling. It's been kind of another thing that comes out every week. Um, the Browns had an opportunity to kind of take the lead in that game against Denver in the third or early fourth quarter in the fourth quarter. And he called another one of his razzle dazzle double um, uh, laterals that blew up. Oh, yeah. Head. Yeah. And they handed the ball off to a young man by the name of Pierre Strong, who's a, yep. a, a second year kid from South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits. And uh, anyway, uh, so the run game, run game has actually been pretty decent. They've been averaging you know, many games, 120 to 160 yards. Um, they, you would have thought going into the Denver game that Denver is one of the worst run defenses that the Browns would have. And Kevin Stefanski, the Browns coach would have stuck with the run more, but it was um, in a very, you know, it was 42 passes to, I think 26 runs, uh, which isn't exactly uh, even, you know, you'd like to see that a little bit closer and just felt like that play when, the Browns had that opportunity. It was right after DTR was injured with the concussion. They had just brought in PJ Walker and he decides to run a double reverse, which still is baffling to me and many Browns fans. Um, so yeah, I think the Browns offense is where people worry about here in Cleveland. You know, um, we, we don't necessarily trust our coach in the, in the play calling. That's a hot button. Of, yeah. So We'll see how it pans out again uh, Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it's uh, – yeah, I don't think DTR is going to get cleared. I, I They tend to leave people on for at least a week. Um, I mean, P.J. Walker, I mean, he brought two wins to the – I mean, he he got yeah. two wins. I mean, people don't want to credit him, but he didn't do a lot, but he did enough. He, he brought the team back twice in late-game situations, which – a lot of Browns fans want to just pass over. And so personally I'd go with PJ Walker. I think the kids done enough this season and I think he would, he would uh, lead the team uh, well against your Rams. Uh, but for the news, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, we don't know how to take the Browns organization. Sometimes we, we get fooled. I think sometimes we think the Browns organization thinks they're smarter than us fans. And so then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, that. I know how that yeah. goes. Well, in terms of the Rams defense, um, <clears throat> I mean, basically, like I said, said in the opening that, you know, it was essentially gutted. I mean, the only guys that came back that had any kind of experience. Um, I mean, uh, only two guys on the Rams starters this year took more than 50% of the snaps last year. So Aaron yeah. Donald and Ernest Jones, right. Are, are, are obviously Aaron Donald and then Ernest Jones are inside linebacker. Yeah. And then Jordan Fuller had experience, but he was out most of last year. So there, and those three guys are, are killing it, playing great. Fuller's really coming on. And then added in a bunch of young guys, right? Byron Young, rookie, Edge, playing fantastic. Kobe Turner playing right up there with Aaron Donald on the defensive line, fantastic. Um, you know, Michael Hoyt is starting to come around. This is a UDFA who – who was a who was a interior defensive lineman? He got put on the edge last year because there was literally nobody left to play edge, and so he played it. And he plays great, but he he still plays it a little bit like a defensive lineman. He doesn't contain that edge, but you know it's yeah. it's hard to do both, right? I mean, we, you start to see, um, right. but he's played much better. He's done. He's doing a lot better in the last couple of weeks, kind of developing and and playing great. So if he can contain that edge, he's very good at getting pressure and and tackles so forth. And then you got on the secondary, um, we signed Akilah Witherspoon, one of our very few free agents who's just killing it, right? A former uh, Pittsburgh Steeler, San Francisco 49er. He's playing great um, along with a bunch of youngsters. Kobe Durant, second-year guy. Russ Yeast, a second-year uh, 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 safety. Darion Kendrick, a second-year cornerback who had a couple of rough games early on and some personal issues, and he bounced back with some tremendous games the last couple of games. So, you know, it's really it's really fun to see. I mean, the kind of the Rams plan to get a bunch of these young guys on the field, first, second year guys on the field and playing to see who can play and who yeah. can't. And um, there haven't been many guys who, who they've determined can't play. 
Uh, yeah. And so it's it's been a lot more pros than cons, and, and they're doing well. Again, it's a pretty middle-of-the-road defense, both in the run defense and in the pass defense, and, um, you know, just kind of holding their own. And all of that, you know, that sort of that middle-of-the-road stuff, you know, bears out in our uh, in our uh, in our in our record as well. That youth movement, you got. I mean, that's a step in the right direction. Obviously, the Rams. I mean, how close was Sean McVay to being canned last year? You think? Oh, he was certainly wasn't going to be canned. Never going to be canned. It was more okay. was going to just was he going to retire? Was he going to retire? Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, the first time after the Super Bowl, the the talk about him going to Amazon and whatnot was sort of just a. He never really said it. I think they did make him a big offer, but he wanted to come back and he got a raise. He got a raise from like $8 million to $15 million and made him the hey. second or third highest paid uh, coach. Belichick's up there and, and maybe like uh, Reed, I think, is only the only really guys ahead of him at this point. Um, and so uh, he got his raise. Now, last year was a different story. After last year, he was really distraught with the whole situation he kind of felt like he lost control he stepped back from the yeah, team yeah. he actually turned over play calling to uh, uh for in, in the game against kansas city in week 12 and a lot of people didn't know it at the time but it was later reported and you know when a guy like mcveigh turns over play calling you know he's really kind of just kind of like i i don't know if he quit or not it was just a lot going on his wife's from ukraine and they have she's oh wow there. he's having a baby you know, it's just a lot. And then, and then he was just losing control of the, of, you know, he's a control freak and he just like most coaches are. <laughs> and, um, yes. but, but he just kind of felt like he lost control and, and the thing unraveled in front of him. And it was really that's interesting. Emotion, emotionally. It was the first time in his life he came out and said later that he, he just felt like he had, he lost complete control. Of I think, you know, the kid, you know, he's from Ohio, he's from Canton, he's from yeah. Maslin, that is, you know, in that family, um, we have, uh, you know, just my, on my end of the family, there, there's some, not relationship, but they knew um, some of the uh, McVeigh's uh, in school. Uh, is it, yeah. And uh, so anyway, um, no, it's good. I mean, I, I, it's funny that you say that they dropped the play calling because, you know, that's constantly the conversation here in Cleveland about Kevin Stefanski, that he's still calling the plays and everyone is pleading with him or half the Browns fan base is pleading that he, he dropped those responsibilities. Yeah, um, well, I mean, offensive guys, I mean, if you look at the most of the league, now it's a big trend and there's a lot of talk. Guys like Colin Coward talk about it constantly. But it does bear out that offensive head coaches, right, yeah. guys from the offensive side of the ball, like McVay and Stefanski, um, have more success generally than the defensive guys. Uh, and one of the reasons is that, especially on offense, and one of the reasons is that if you're a defensive head coach, you obviously have to hire an offensive coordinator. Now, if you hire a great offensive coordinator yeah. and he tears it up, what happens? Right. He gets he gets take he gets hired as a head coach somewhere else. And right. You're starting right. over. Right. You're starting over on the offensive side of the ball, which is a, which is much harder <laughs> to do than the defensive side. So that if you lose continuity on the offensive side of the ball, you're you're in trouble. That's why I think offensive coaches uh, as head coaches do a lot better. Um, and then, uh, well, you there's know, this, there's this notion here in Cleveland that you know when you talk about that topic, it's really it's uh, the other part of that equation is do you believe like here in Cleveland they it, we hire Jim Schwartz as the defensive coordinator, and so yeah. he's gotten a lot of the headlines, yeah. And so good. these offensive minded coaches like Sean McVay or let's say Kevin Stefanski here, that it's almost like this personal like battle. They don't like giving the headlines. And so they're like, there's this idea that Kevin is calling these razzle dazzle plays so he can draw attention back to himself. No, we, we don't have that problem. I mean, we are, there's not, there's, there's not that kind of drama. I mean, we have Raheem Morris and he's getting, you know, he's killing, he's doing well again. I mean, he gets, he gets some, uh, you know, he's been a head coach before, but you know, yeah. the other thing with that, with the offensive head coaches, I mean, there's not an offensive head coach or a guy from, you know, a head coach who's, from an offensive lineage who doesn't call his own plays. Like there's a lot of guys defense, none of the defensive guys, you know, call their own plays. And then some of those defensive guys uh, also don't call even the defensive side of the ball. They hire a DC and they're the, yeah. the, C, the CEO yeah. kind of guy like Harbaugh, you know, in, in, in Baltimore, but he's more of a special teams guy, but there's other guys. I mean, I don't think, um, uh, 
I don't think that uh, the Steelers, what's his name, um, calls his own plays. Uh, and um, Tomlin, you know, I, I don't think, yeah. I think he's a kind of a CEO. So, yeah, um, the only guy that didn't call his own, the only offensive guy that didn't call his own plays for a while there was McCarthy, right? He called uh-huh. him in, in Green Bay. He goes to Dallas. He he turns it over to Kellen Moore, which I think was the Joneses mm-hmm. were pretty much telling him that was part of the deal. And then he was on the hot seat, so he's like, screw this. I'm going to take you back over. Ships out Kellen Moore to the Chargers, and he's back in the saddle. So, uh, yeah, there's no offensive-minded or offensive lineage head coach in the NFL that doesn't call their own plays. So, for an off, I wouldn't be surprising for an offensive guy to become that CEO head yeah. coach. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, well, moving on to this week. So, like, what what yeah. do you foresee? I mean, do you obviously oh. you you led off by talking about the Cleveland's uh, challenges when coming to the West Coast, and yeah, the yeah, uh, I think I I think the challenge for the Brown, I mean, the Browns going into this game is that this is the second week they're going. I think they stayed out west. From I don't think they came back to Cleveland. Uh, they had plans to stay out there, um, get acclimated. Um, I just, yeah, just the whole vibe right now going into this game here locally is, you know, um, we're seven and four. We're in the midst of this AFC North battle and the playoff battle. And, um, you know, with all the things that have happened to this Browns team, I mean, in the injuries of just, I mean, if you were to say that the Browns were seven and four at the beginning of the year and they didn't have Nick Chubb, Deshaun Watson, Jack Conklin, their offensive lineman, uh, going into this this part of the season, I mean, people would have thought you were, you know, it was a joke. I mean, so there's a lot of positives. You know, the fact that they've gotten to this point, I think um, seven is four is very respectable. But, you know, uh, Browns fans are so, like, emotional and, and live week to week. But, you know, many NFL fans, but um, – it's in in it's it's a season right now where you know they've coming off of these two other years where Stefanski and the Browns didn't perform very well. They finished the last two seasons sub five hundred overall. They got to the playoffs back in twenty twenty. So now we're kind of back in that good spot. And uh, but this is a big game. I think if the Browns you know come into this and they get if they do something like they did last week against Denver where they were kind of they got down, they kind of got back into it and then kind of blew it late with some, I mean, they had five f- turnovers. They, they, well, they, they had three that they lost. They had three fumbles that they lost, but they actually fumbled the ball like five times. That's something that has killed this team um, coming into this, into this part of the season. They, they were turning the ball over a lot at the beginning of the year and thus they've struggled a little bit. Now they've got that together, but then last week they kind of, took a step back. So that's yeah, kind of where, yeah. It's hard to tell with this, uh, with this, uh, yeah, this Cleveland team, it's, you know, that defense was playing like um, at the beginning of the year was just world class. Right. I mean, it was. Yeah. And they usually play better at home. Um, that's why again, on the road, it seems like they've not had a, now they did like, again, I'll give you another example. They, we went out to Seattle a few weeks ago in a, another place that the Browns haven't won in like 35 or 40 years. They don't play out there very often, but they put themselves in a 14, nothing hole in that game. Actually got the lead back, got, got, a, got ahead and actually were in control of the entire game. And it, if it weren't for uh, the ball, um, PJ Walker was quarterback that game. He ball hit off the helmet of a Seattle Seahawk. The Browns could have probably run the clock out. Uh, with one more first down. So that was how close they were to beating Seattle um, a few weeks back. So um, again, it's just, just silly things. And and I'm calling in the cardiac kids part 2.0. That was the nickname we gave the, the Browns back in the day, way back in the day, like the 1980 uh, year, <laughs> 81. Yeah. And they were considered the cardiac kids. So I, we've brought that back because they've had a lot of, close calls last week um which was unusual the final score i don't know if you heard this stat the final score in that denver browns game was 29 to 12 
according to what I read, and I don't know, I, I need to double check on this, but the it says that that was the first time in NFL history that that was the final score of a game. Now, yeah, I, can I don't see that. 12 points is a, that's a tough 20, 29 to 12. Yeah, that's, uh, the that's final a final score. That's a tough yeah. score to. So, yeah, I mean, just looking at Cleveland's, uh, but looking forward at the at the schedule here after the Rams, Jacksonville, who, you know, at home for y'all. And, and so, yeah. you know, they're not, they're obviously shown they're, they're beatable, especially on the road. Then you got Chicago, which is, you know, playing some tough ball, but yeah, but but you don't know. And then Houston, um, in Houston, and they're playing well, but very well, but, you know. But you know, so that's better than expected. And then you get the Jets, whom they might pack it in by then, <laughs> and um, and then a, a Cincinnati team that's on the ropes. So yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a very doable schedule. There's not a lot of Kansas cities and San Francisco's and, and, and no. the Philadelphia's on that schedule I, right there. Yeah. But I th- would say like teams like Houston who with CJ Stroud, yeah, uh, that, that game now looks like it could be, I mean, we'll see what happens this week. I think that's the, for Browns fans and like Rams fans, you got to take it a game at a time with you guys. I mean, you're, you're five and six, but you're still kind of in the midst of this playoff run. You've got some big games coming up uh, still later this season, but this would be a big one for you. Yeah, Yeah, for us, like I said before, this is a big turning point because after this, we have the Ravens at, at M and T and, you know, in Baltimore and they they play the NFC at home better. You know, the the record's something I don't even know. Right. It's It's crazy. 14. Crazy good. Yeah. Yeah. And so, that you know, we're just going to try and stay healthy and not not get a bunch of injuries. <laughs> I can imagine come back and then make the run, right? And then it's the Commanders, the Saints, and the Giants, which are yeah. all three very winnable games, right? And then we end up with the 49ers, and who knows if they're going to even well, the lose 49er that- team has been so fickle. I mean, they've yeah. just been they started out the year, everybody thought they were the best team in the league, and then the Browns beat them. Only yeah, because crazy. the 49er kicker missed a 40 yard. Oh kick. yeah. Yeah. He missed that kick. Yeah, yeah. And, but that team, that game, that it could, they could rest those guys if they're, if they're already, you know, settled into the second seed or something like that. Mm-hmm. So well, plus they've beaten us 10, 10 straight regular season. Yeah. Games, so um, we'll see. I don't know that we, we, but if we chalk down the Ravens and the 49ers as losses, and then, and we win the other, you know, again, the Browns games are big this week. If we can get by the Browns and then, yeah. And then, Take down the commanders. That gives you what, what nine That's wins? Nine, nine and yeah, nine wins, and um, we hold the tiebreaker over Seattle. Um, okay, we, we we don't hold it over. Uh, probably not going to hold it over Minnesota or Green Bay, which are kind uh, of the other two teams that are really in the mix. And uh, so, well, Minnesota took a big loss to Chicago. Yeah, it took a big loss, and that really helped the Rams a lot. It and, probably helped you. Know, they out, have yeah, some, yeah, they have they have a. Uh, they have a pretty. They have Detroit twice still, and Detroit's, you know, scratching. Oh, barn. there you go. So, yeah. yeah. So anyway, it's uh, yeah. So we'll see. It's, it it makes for fun. We certainly didn't expect to be in the in the playoff mix after eleven games, and uh, you know, going into week thirteen. So it makes it fun. But the biggest thing for the Rams, we keep our eye on the ball. We're certainly not making a playoff. I'm mean, sorry, a uh, Super Bowl run. So it's really about just continuing to develop these young guys. Um, establish that them as starters next yeah. year, and then fill in a few big gaps um, for. Well, uh, and the pressure here year. in Cleveland. I mean, the pressure here in Cleveland obviously is that Deshaun Watson is you know tied to this team forever, and so it's like yeah. this window of time that is uh, quickly you know closing, and it's like we got to win. And right now, um, you know, we're winning, but this, it was a setback losing to the Broncos this past week. So yeah, that was yeah, they're, they're playing well. They're playing yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think Deshaun's going to be okay. I, I, I don't know what he just is in this last season. He was just getting his legs under him, I think. And then um, after being out for what was it, a year and a half or is more, more. Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, you know, getting back on an NFL field, it's just, it's not like riding a bike. And then, no. <laughs> and then uh, this year he's just been beat up all year, you know, and, and, yeah. um, but uh, yeah, I think he's, he's uh, uh, he'll be, you know, he'd come back next year. And well, the, the all the, the, here again, it's like the, he, that decision, even to bring him into Cleveland really has sort of split the fan base. There's still a lot of animosity um, because of the decision to bring him in. So 
uh, it's an interesting time to be a Browns fan here. <laughs> yeah, but things are looking up, right? I mean, you got a good culture now. Better. And- I mean, it's better. And I, I think, you know, bringing in some a defensive coordinator like Jim Schwartz, uh, especially for that defense, has really s- seemingly helped. Um, but just like the injuries have really hurt yeah. this team. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you lose your quarterback. It's it's always going to be an uphill battle. And, and, and you're starting running back. Yeah. You're, you're, you're running back. And yeah, you start to. Yeah, those things start to pile up and, and things go. <laughs> so what do you got? Well, let's take let's do our predictions here if you don't mind. Yeah. What, yeah. What are you, let's what do are your what's your what's your uh, score prediction? Um, gosh. Um well, see last week they lost 29 to 12. I'm going to go with a win obviously because I'm a Browns fan and we're the fanatical elves here. I think um <laughs> regardless of quarterbacks, let's go PJ Walker or Joe Flacco. I'm still going to go with the Browns. I think the Browns defense will play even they're not going to give up 14 points to start the game. I think uh, it'll be a, a tough battle. I'll go 20, 24 to uh, 17, 24, 17 Browns, 24, 17 Browns. Yep. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm in the same ballpark for the, but, but for the, but for the Rams, I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I think the Rams are going to scratch and claw and, and, and uh, um, come back down to earth after that. Uh, what was it, 38 or something? You, you think they get the you think they get the lead early in this game? Uh the Rams have been really good on their first drive. I mean, it has okay. been consistently, and a lot of teams are this year, you know, this so-called scripted plays. Yeah. They've been very good on that. Um, so they might they might end up doing that. But on the other hand, their opponents have also been very good on the first drive. So absolutely uh, it happened last week. Uh, we were down. Eight seven, we jumped on the uh, extra point. They then they went for two and got it. We were down eight seven um, mm-hmm. after the first two drives, but then it was after that it was all over. But um, this week, I think uh, uh, I think the Rams um, do do well. You know, do jump out uh, well in the first half. But um, I, I'm going to go twenty three to twenty with a close game. I mean, okay, um, yeah, and uh, to the Rams. So, but we'll see what happens. I think um, absolutely getting Kyron Williams back, boy, that guy really has emerged mm. and, and with him and Stafford and uh, he was been playing well, but he got injured and, and that really hurt us. And uh, mm-hmm. so he's back and the Rams are pretty much healthy. I mean, there aren't a lot of, uh, do you, how often do you get, do you get to some of these games? Oh yeah. Yeah. I like to yeah. get to the games and I get to, you know, I'm kind of in the middle of well, California, so I can well, go down SoCal or, or get up to San Francisco when they play there. I went up, went up to the Seattle game to lead off the year. And Oh, was, did uh, you? Yeah, awesome. It was, yeah. It's a fun field up there. Oh, I've never been there. You know, I have a daughter and her boyfriend. They both live up there in Seattle. So I get out there at least once or twice a year and just, just love that part of the part of the country. And But I haven't been to a game. I thought about going out there in October when the Browns played Seattle, but my daughter came here for Thanksgiving. So I uh, oh, didn't, didn't gotcha. make that trip. But, um, well. Uh, it's a crazy fan base. I mean. Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew about the 12s, right? But you get up there and everybody's wearing these jerseys. Like if oh. you see somebody in a, at the Seattle game and they're not wearing a jersey, they're out of place. That's really, it's, yeah. It's I mean, at the Rams games, it might be 50-50 or whatever. You know, yeah, you're wearing yeah, yeah. A, the colors or whatever. Yeah, but right. no, everybody had a jersey on and most of them were number 12. And, oh. and, then, uh, and then on the back, it just said fan. And uh, so- they have this 12, you know, this number that the 12s, the 12th man yeah. fan base. Yes. And they're all in on that. And so it, that it, is amazing. Yeah. It was really, uh, and Lumen was all it was cracked up to be. It was loud. It was loud. Yes. Man. I've been so. to, like, I've never been there. I've lived in Kansas, uh, in Wichita for 26 years. Lived, I mean, I grew up here, moved out to Kansas. You know, I was a big Browns fan, moved to Kansas, went to a lot of Chiefs games, especially when the Chiefs weren't very good. Yeah. But I still went when they were halfway decent, and that you know Arrowhead is phenomenal with their uh, how loud they can be. I don't know if they they have the best fans. I'm still, but um, that that place gets really loud. Yeah, really. yeah. Now the Rams, Rams. Now that that place probably won't get too loud. I guess my yeah, question was a lot of Cleveland how, fans there. Yeah. Well, I, I but isn't that the case? I mean, I'm hearing back here that there's going to be a bazillion Browns fans. Yeah, there. I mean, we have the Browns backers fan clubs, and we really do it up with the um, with the tailgating. So yeah, no, the Rams. I mean, the Rams situation is just a little. 
I mean, they were in LA and it was, they were the team in LA back in the, the seventies, yeah. you know, sixties, seventies really owned right. the town. And then into the eighties, um, uh, the, you know, Coliseum was a disaster. And so they moved down to orange County yeah, and moved into Anaheim stadium and played in a baseball stadium. And it was terrible. It was one of the worst right. viewing experiences. And they didn't do it really much to really, you know, they didn't adjust any of the, any of the seating or anything. It was, it was, a, it was a terrible. And, um, <laughs> and so, you know, they had a little bit of success down there, but then they, and they lost, but they lost a lot of the fan base. And then the Raiders came right. in town, won a Super Bowl in LA. And that mm -hmm. kind of like converted a lot of the LA people to, so the Rams lost a bunch of people when they went to Orange County and then they bail out to uh, St. Louis and then lost the other bit, you know, whatever fan base was left. Yeah. And they were gone for 20 years. And the next thing you know, um, next thing you know, they come back to LA and it's kind of like an expansion team, you know, and, and, uh, they lost their fan base. Most people have moved on to other teams. And, um, so it, it is, uh, it is hard, you know, winning the Super Bowl helped a lot. Uh, having the chargers in town doesn't really help because they're competing right. with all of those fans and, and then you're exactly. competing with all these other things to do. So it, it's, it's a tough uphill battle to get the fan base, um, back in LA, but it's, uh, you know, at SoFi, it's the most amazing stadium. And oh, it looks like it's but, just amazing. Yeah, but these other fan bases just come in there and buy up tickets. And I mean, when we play the 49ers, it's a full takeover. It's 49ers, I tell you, they their fans. I I was surprised, and I know, like it was huge. Like when they came to Cleveland, there were a bazillion 49ers fans. Now I think these are just locals who are just you know, a 49er fan. 49er fans that are are here in in Cleveland but it was it was very I was surprised uh by how many filled the uh, lower bowl there in Brown Stadium a few yeah, weeks ago. So. Yeah, they travel there's so many teams that travel well but the Rams um are notoriously uh um uh you know have are not filling that stadium but you know it'll take time. It will take yeah. time and yeah. um I mean the, the the team and the ownership and the CEO uh, Dem office have all, have all come off out and said, "Hey, this is a a generation until you know we 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 get mm -hmm. these young Rams fans and start to grow them up again because you, it's hard to convert you know your average citizen into a <laughs> into a you know into a fan it just is so right well yeah. cool yeah well, well let's wrap it, it up there yeah. and and uh, and look forward to a great game thanks for the insights John and, and was, thank was, you Tom yeah it was great chatting with you and uh, you know to your fan base you know good luck with the rest of the season not necessarily so much in this game i mean always wish health on everybody i hope i hope all these guys play um you know i would love to see dtr against the rams uh, right that would be know, great i would love to see certainly i hope miles garrett's okay and you always want the best on the best and so um and let's hope for a good game everybody comes yeah. out healthy and then uh we can both continue to make a run to the playoffs well, and and we wish you the best too. Unlike you know, the last few weeks we had to go against the rat birds and the squealers. Uh, here, we, we don't we we don't mind talking to you uh, fans in Los Angeles as much. I mean, we, hey, the Rams we, used to be in Cleveland, right? We're uh, right. We, we were born right. in Cleveland, right? Exactly. That's um, <laughs> our our birthplace. <laughs> absolutely. No, it's been. Um, yeah, historically, I think that's you know, I it was enjoyable listening to your take about the. The, the Rams, the old, because I remember, you know, when I was growing up in the seventies and eighties too, I remember some of the, like the super, right. The, do they play against each other? The Steelers and the uh, Rams, Rams. And the Super Bowl, right. Yeah. And the, see, and they, yeah. in the, in the I was, in, yeah, yeah. was in the, uh, that was in the, um, uh, uh, they say a team, a Super Bowl team had never hosted a Super Bowl. And that um, was the Coliseum. Until, yeah. But it wasn't at the Coliseum. It was at the Rose Bowl. So, oh, okay. So they played the game at the Rose Bowl where the Rams did not play their regular season games, but you ended up losing. That was 79. Yeah, that was the yeah, the Lynch, 1979. The, the Lynch yep. That's right. Game. That's right. Yeah, I was I've always liked the just a, from afar. And I knew several um friends of mine that lived in out there in Wichita who uh were became Rams fans when they were in St. Louis. Um, yeah. So there's a little bit of a overlap there too. So yeah, when I'm just talking about the fan base, I failed to mention that that you know we lost not only all these all these LA fans when we went to St. Louis you know Orange County yeah. and St. Louis but when we St. Louis was very supportive of the Rams but well, the way that the Rams left St. Louis was mm -hmm. so bad 
and they ended up paying a 700 million or something like that to the city. Okay. That's the biggest, you know, fine ever for leaving a, a, a right. city. And, um, and so the St. Louis fans kind of bailed on the Rams too. And so mm -hmm. that was just kind of a double, a double whammy, right. Mm -hmm. For the last 20 yeah. years. Right. In Seattle, it was a, a spattering of LA fans still in the Rams train. And then you lose that, that big <laughs> fan base in St. Louis. And, uh, uh, and yeah, point, so yeah. it really was sort of a, a double whammy for the Rams. Yeah, it is what it it's going to take but. some time. Well, thanks again. Really appreciate talking to you today, Tom. Yep. Yep. Well, have a good one. And well, thanks a lot. Episode 307. Time to talk about a great Ram that wore number seven. And we're going to go way back to one of the most famous players in the National Football League during the 1940s and 1950s quarterback Bob Waterfield, born in New York, but raised in Van Nuys, California, played for UCLA, was in the Army briefly during World War II, and was drafted by the Cleveland Rams and led the Cleveland Rams to the 1945 NFL Championship, came to Los Angeles with the Rams. How happy do you think that made him? And helped him to another NFL Championship in 1951. He was first or second All-NFL five times, actually had 20 interceptions, and he was one of the top punters in the league with a 42.4 average, and to top that off, a place kicker as well. Waterfield was also known for a romance. He was married to the leading Hollywood lady Jane Russell, and had a big rivalry with Norm Van Brocklin, another great NFL quarterback. Those two actually shared quarterbacking duties with the Rams for a few years. One of the earliest quarterback controversies, but the Rams made it work. Both those guys had great careers with the Rams. Honors and awards for this guy, pretty impressive. First team quarterback on the 1945, 46, and 49 All-Pro teams. 1945 MVP, a member of the Hall of Fame, and also named to the 1940s All-Decade team. You know, back in the day, Rams players were superstars on and off the field. Bob Waterfield, one of the more recognizable faces in the sports world back then. And without a doubt, the greatest player to ever wear number seven for our Los Angeles Rams. going to do it for this episode remember you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com and don't forget about our youtube channel our handle is at laramsup.com till next time keep the horns up stay safe and have fun out there